This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Zipmex, Ziptide, HRH, Queen Elizabeth II dies and the parish mourns along with the world. European Union cutting energy margins, PCAOB are due in Hong Kong soon. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 161. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. We begin this week by paying homage after more than 70 years on the throne. Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II died last week, leaving a genuine void across the Commonwealth where she had been a devoted monarch. The Queen was active in the parish of exchanges during her reign. I can clearly recall Her Majesty visiting the life floor on 11th of February 1992. The atmosphere in the pits was febrile throughout the day and the traders were delighted to cheer Her Majesty and the Duke of Edinburgh as they toured the Cannonbridge pits. Meanwhile, over in the USA, plaudits to Nasdaq and NYSE, who both delivered pitch-perfect tributes. The New York Stock Exchange floor captured the moment in an elegant video of silence across the floor itself, led by the president of the New York Stock Exchange, Lynn Martin, While the Times Square Nasdaq market site gave the lasting image of the Queen projected across Manhattan. God save the King. All markets in the UK are closed after the King's proclamation of a special bank holiday, marking the funeral of Her Majesty on Monday, September the 19th, albeit one exchange stands out with the LME worried after the nickel nightmare about their cash settlement risk on the T plus two third Wednesday of September being an issue. Thus, they have apologised but opted to stay open. Similarly, Canada's Federal holiday will be marked with most markets closed, but the TSX will be open on Monday the 19th. Very interesting scoop this week, an exclusive by Hugh Jones of Reuters, the European Union financial watchdogs, considering collateral changes to ease the energy crunch. If you just woken up after, say, 15 years doing the Rip Van Winkle sleep cycle, you wouldn't notice much difference. If, like the rest of us, you have, well, lived regulatory experience, then the news is a tad more seismic. All that margin being essential for markets to operate coherently, well, it doesn't apply to energy. It's just a banking thing, according to the European Union. That led us in Exchange Invest to ponder what is the Latin for in-desperation nonsense. Google Translate reckons it's in-desperazione ineptius, which has a certain ring to it. Anyway, I think it's a perfect motto for the European Union's regulation. At the same time, we had Lord Spencer last week, of course, formerly Michael Spencer, the man who created ICAP, 
FT is not a pro-business paper, he said in an interview. In fact, I'll give you the whole thing. That's typical FT. I'll be honest with you, the FT is not a pro-business paper. It's not a pro-Tory paper. No reason it should be a pro-Tory paper, but you might think it might be a pro-business paper. It is not. In fact, it has always been highly sceptical of the business community. I'm astonished it's still called the Financial Times. Thus, Michael Spencer eloquently knocked it out of the park. The Brussels Bugle has consistently reduced coverage of financial markets while disdaining its original core readership and is now, alas, a washed-up pastiche of a newspaper glorifying wild wealth while chasing trendy causes as espoused by its core subscriber base in Brussels. And indeed, it wasn't long until the FT managed to show its sheer incompetence. There was an article this week by Patrick Jenkins, who is their deputy editor and thus a man who, frankly, ought to know a great deal better. Energy crisis should spur regulatory overhaul, went the headline. We described it in Exchange Invest as a column of genteel muckraking. And ultimately, actually... The woes of the Brussels Bugle were writ large very rapidly thereafter because in Ed we trust. Ed was a man who provided some wonderful comment to note that the market is not dysfunctional and indeed there was a supply-demand imbalance. He noted how the financial crisis had been caused and therefore the issues that were arising that were and were not related to the current issue of the TTF and European energy markets. Thus, ultimately, As he said in a very, very pithy remark, effectively, the Financial Times was abjectly wrong. Unfortunately, our anonymous hero then was subject to an attack from Mr Jenkins himself. However, as I said earlier, in Ed we trust. The parish has a new anonymous hero. We don't even know if he's an Edward, an Edmund, or something more exotic still. Perhaps he's a female under a pen name. Anyway... Having written perhaps the worst Financial Times article ever, I know tragically nowadays a more competitive endeavour than, say, cutting-edge financial news in the FT, Mr Patrick Jenkins doubled down in a spirit of career Harry Curie, which was almost refreshing in its brazen blend of arrogance cum ignorance. Ultimately, the comments... Well, I'll leave you to go and find them yourselves within the pages of the Financial Times, but I'll note there was one six-word mot juste intervention endorsing the anonymous Ed's remarks. Ed is absolutely right on all points. Who said that? None other than David Pennicott, the former ICE Europe boss, whose background was, of course, at the International Petroleum Exchange itself. Meanwhile, of course, in the midst of this energy crisis, we had signed folks like Peter Wrights having to show simple demand supply curves to try to explain why markets are just fine. It's just such a pity that the European Union seems to fundamentally misunderstand, as do, it has to be said, most every government today, the whole basis of markets. And now they're working to reduce or remove margins for energy trading in a desperate Hail Mary pass, being executed under the sort of pressure normally only found within a reticent behise of rock mid-frack cycle. Elsewhere this week at the European Energy Exchange, EEX, they opened a new trade registration platform for OTC deals, Touchpoint. Mexican finance leaders are planning stock exchange reforms to staunch the exodus of listings from the BMV market. And indeed, BMV, the Bolsa Mexicana de Valores, signed a collaboration agreement about financial education with their Spanish co-frères, the BME. 
Useful statistic to bear in mind that just two cities contribute 80% of the market turnover of the National Stock Exchange of India and the Sri Lankan stock market have extended their trading market market hours by 30 minutes. Thus, from September the 15th, the Colombo Stock Exchange is now trading a slightly longer day. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Deal news this week. Not such a busy week for deals in the parish, but all the deal information was, as usual, in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. One key issue, the LSEG's takeover of Quantile having been referred. The CMA, that's the Monopolies and Mergers Commission, as now branded, it has received provisional approval to take over Quantile. Elsewhere, Urbana Corporation, they're doing a little bit of a buyback. They're looking to buy back 3.14 million shares, representing fairly considerable, actually, 9.9% of its share capital. If you're looking for some reading at this point in time, ladies and gentlemen, or thinking about your Christmas presents for the festive season ahead, then why not look towards buying a copy of Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World, an easy read by myself, Patrick L. Young. It's published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream Tuesdays at 6pm London, 1pm New York time. It's back after its summer break and what a cracking return we had. Episode number 76 was all about Xbury building cloud-based exchanges. And I have to say, it was a thrilling show with Guy Malamed, the CEO of Xbury, and Magnus Alnquist, their head of sales, discussing how... It's not just about moving to the cloud, it's the whole new way you do software that has been designed to be accessed, operated and run without fear or favour remotely in an agile environment. Next week, we're going to be talking to Katerina Karamashi. She's going to be our guest for episode 77. Katerina Karamashi coming of age with the ice. You can catch all of our back issues on searching IPO-vid, whether you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Product news this week, water is now being seen as a precious, vital, and scarce resource in the global energy sector. Yip, yip, and thrice yip, I said in Exchange Invest this week, having been banging my drum in the past, indeed arguing for water markets being a big thing by 2020 in the January 2000 edition of the Futures Industry Association's FIA MAG. I suppose you've probably heard that before if you're listening to all of this podcast cadre. The CME Group, they announced the launch of Ether Options. They came to prominence just before the merge itself took place. And meanwhile, in India, traders and various interested parties have locked horns over turmeric futures contracts. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. 
Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. Technology news this week. The Beaks Group, they're going to be providing on-demand cloud compute solutions for ICE Global Networks, a very interesting moment in the development of Beaks financial-oriented cloud. And the New York Stock Exchange, they have added pay equity and the New York Stock Exchange have added pay equity opportunity tracking tools in an ESG push in association with Syndio Partners. Regulation news this week. The Thai SEC have filed a police complaint against crypto exchange Zipmex. Zipmex didn't meet a deadline for delivering information prompting the SEC's action. Zipmex, as you'll recall, filed bankruptcy protection on July the 22nd and the exchange has protection from creditors via Singapore's higher court until December the 2nd. But that won't save it from the wrath of the Thai regulators. Another problem in the Zipmex quest for resurrection. Career paths this week. The Delhi court sent the ex-NSC Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer Ravi Narayan to ED custody this week. There was a headline in the Business Standard saying, Has Ravi Narayan joined the list of fallen market heroes? Given considerable chunks of Ravi's pension have been paid to the state as a result of previous financial misdemeanours and he's now been arrested and jailed, I think the answer to that one must be yes. In happier news this week, careers on the Up Blockchain Australia, the Industry Association for the Distributed Ledger within Terra Australis, they've announced a new CEO. Their board is proud to announce the appointment of Laura Mercurio as CEO, effective from Monday the 12th of September. I'm delighted to see my friend and fellow world trader Laura Mercurio taking the reins at Blockchain Australia, a perfect position for her and a great move by the Australian blockchain lobby. Laura was a fabulous guest, incidentally, on my wife's live stream. You can catch it by searching for PhD 046. The topic was Womanomics, the future of the female economy on May the 1st, 2022. And speaking of womanomics, well, good grief. What a macro task, ladies and gentlemen. Organising the funeral of a 70-year-long monarch who lived to the ripe old age of 96, who was, by pretty much every metric, the most recognised woman on earth for several generations, is quite a challenge. A lot of plans have been put into action, although I must say I'm saddened that the health and safety gremlins apparently put paid to use of the royal train for even part of the trip. However, the challenge as I record this podcast is now the invitations and the organisation of the funeral itself on Monday the 19th of September, now a one-off bank holiday in the UK, thanks to the remit of the King Charles III. Westminster Abbey seats 2,000 people, although for the Queen's coronation in 1953, a lot of deft gallery additions enabled 8,200 people into the cathedral itself. The latter number, of course, would cause the aforementioned elf and safety gremlins to have a hissy fit, so it remains to be seen if any extra capacity is possible for the Queen's funeral in 2022. Because filling those seats will not be remotely difficult, rather the huge problem lies in who to invite. 
given the royal family, the House of Lords, the House of Commons and the Privy Council could alone fill the capacity before we start considering the heads of the Commonwealth nations were leaders of 193 UN states plus other states, representatives of Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and the British regions as well as the British overseas territories and let's of course not forget world church leaders, the panjandrums of international entities such as the EU crats, the UN crats and we haven't even considered homegrown British bureaucrats. As commander-in-chief in whose name British soldiers fought, for example, in Iraq and the Falkland, etc., there must be a selection of leading armed forces figures too. So even with that brief list trying to select the 2,000 people who can mourn the Queen in person at her funeral service is going to be, well, a very, very hyper example of hashtag it's complicated. Westminster Abbey, 19th of September, will clearly be the ultimate invitation of 2022. Meanwhile, the forthcoming coronation will, I am sure, be a much sought-after event in 2023. God save the King! And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, from a position of mourning, I wish you a great week in blockchain, life and markets. My name is Patrick L. Young. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.